LeeTDickey.com. What's going on, everybody? Lee Dickey here. Welcome to a brand new episode of the Beats and Speaks podcast and a continuation in the Star Wars miniseries. Today, my guest is Robert Solomon of This Uncanny Earth. And yes, we're talking anything and everything Star Wars. Now, Robert's from Ohio, so a bit of a treat. We talk the Kenner Star Wars figures because that's where Kenner Toys was based out of. We also talk where his fandom of the franchise started and who he would like to spend a day with in terms of an actor, maybe someone in production, a director, producer, someone like, say, a J.J. Abrams. All that and much more right here on a brand new episode of the Beats and Speaks podcast. Robert is also a fellow podcaster. Like I said, he hosts This Uncanny Earth, which is a paranormal-centric podcast. So the X-Files, UFOs, Roswell, anything and everything of that nature, you name it, that's what This Uncanny Earth is all about. And today we're talking anything and everything Star Wars, as I said, but I will post as many links as I can find so you can follow Robert and This Uncanny Earth. Now that you know a little bit about my guest, I'm going to tell you where you can find the Beats and Speaks podcast. Of course, you know my name. My name is Lee Dickey, and this is the Beats and Speaks podcast. And new episodes of the Beats and Speaks podcast are released every single Friday at midnight Eastern time on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, my official website, LeeTDickey.com and wherever you get your favorite podcast, Please comment, like, share, and subscribe. Find us on YouTube as well under Lee Dickey TV. Of course, all those links will be in the description below. If you'd like to be a guest on a future episode of the Beats and Speaks podcast, please email me at Lee T. Dickey, that's L-E-I-G-H-T-D-I-C-K-E-Y at gmail.com, and we can set something up and go from there so you and I can share a Wi-Fi connection or do this in person. And you can hear yourself and find yourself on a future episode of the Beats and Speaks podcast right here for all your friends and family to see. And we can talk about whatever it is that your heart desires. But now that you know where to find the Beats and Speaks podcast and a little more about me, also please do rate and leave us five-star reviews because that helps us climb in the rankings and helps us produce more content because I love doing this show and I love putting out these episodes for you guys. So you can do that on iTunes or your favorite podcast app and player of choice. You can also do that on my official Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash Lee T. Dickey. And you can also do that on the Beats and Speaks podcast landing page on my official website, LeeTDickey.com. Just find your favorite episode and leave a review a review there and i will feature it right then and there on my official website leetdickey.com as well as read them out right here on the beats and speaks podcast but now that you know all the housekeeping and all the details let's get into the real salt and pepper into the main event my interview in this continuation of the star wars mini series right here on the beats and speaks podcast with this uncanny earth's robert Solomon. Hey everybody, I'm Robert Solomon from This Uncanny Earth, and you're listening to the Beats and Speaks podcast with Lee Dickey. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, and anyone else with an earshot of the sound of my annoying voice, welcome to another episode of the Beats and Speaks podcast. Of course, I am your host, Lee Dickey, and today I am lucky enough 
to be joined by Robert Solomon of the Uncanny Earth podcast here to talk Star Wars. Yes, this is another episode in the Star Wars miniseries, and I'm lucky enough to have another guest want to do this show and want me to grill them on Star Wars and basically educate me on their fandom of Star Wars. So, Robert, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you, Lee, for having me. It is a blessing, a pleasure, and an honor to be here. Like Lee said, I am the host of This Uncanny Earth podcast. Uh, You can check that out on Spreaker, iTunes, wherever favorite podcasts are. I have a co-host. His name's Spider. He couldn't be here because he's our time schedules are are a little bit aloof, so sometimes uh, he can join, sometimes he can't. But we will be live tonight at 10 o'clock. Um, and we, our guest will be Jean Broida. So we'll be talking some paranormal stuff with her. So thank you, Lee, for having me. Well, thank you for being here. And I like, honestly, paranormal. Why not? Like, right. Is, right. is this house haunted? Probably. <laughs> is, yes. this co- is this coffee shop I'm sitting at haunted? Probably. Chances are it's an old building. Why not? Right. But yes, since sir. we're here to talk Star Wars and you're a, a fan, I don't know if I want to like. Can you call yourself a super fan? No, I wouldn't say I'm a super fan. I couldn't rattle off all kinds of dates and things like that. But uh, I do really, really enjoy it. I, I've loved it since I was a kid. I, I saw Return of the Jedi back in 1983 with my father. So it's got a special place in my heart because I got to, you know, it's it's a nice bonding experience with my father. My father likes it. I'm not a, I'm not a, uh, uh, I would call, I wouldn't call myself a crazy fan, but I do highly enjoy the the whole uh, universe of Star Wars, books, games, movies, pretty much all of it. Is that is that where your fandom started in terms of like return seeing Return of the Jedi with your dad? Yeah, um and 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 also getting the action figures. Now, I don't really remember seeing it with my father because I was, let's see, 4 years old um when Return of the Jedi came out. I'm 40 now. So mm-hmm. I don't remember much of that, but I do remember getting figures like Darth Vader, Obi-Wan Kenobi, Luke Skywalker, those kind of figures. So it, it kind of resonated with me. And then as I got older, I got a chance to read some of the books too. So that helped. I, I'm assuming, because you're coming to me live and direct and to my audience live and direct from Ohio. And that's, yes, sir. Smack, that's smack dab in the middle of uh, where Kenner Toys was. Yes, sir. So I, I'm assuming that you basically got a look at, say, the Star Wars Kenner figures. Or yes, like you, yes. You had, you had them as a kid, yeah? What was that yeah. like? It was really cool because as a kid, you know, as adults, we see toys today and we're like, oh, that's pretty cool. But when you're a kid, there's something magical about the toys you want. It's almost like they come to life because of the sheer amount of imagination you have. So, you know, when I had Luke Skywalker and Darth Vader fighting it out, in their wrist was like a, uh, a little tab. And you push the tab up and the lightsaber would extend out of their hand which I always thought was a really cool concept. And it was also a way for kids to not lose the lightsabers. Cause I, I lost a lot of like little guns. And um, uh, when I had Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, I would lose their swords and the bow staff and the size and things like that. So having like that tab, which would connect, which wouldn't come off, made it also really fun and really uh, imaginative. Uh, having the, the different robots, the bounty hunters, you know, having the some of the off-brand characters that not a lot of people get um, was really cool, and and you know, it was it, it fostered my love of all things science fiction. To be honest with you, I, well, I mean, if I don't know, did you keep the boxes or not? Because 
I mean, I, I, I wish that I only wish that I did because right. I'm, I'm looking at some of the toys that I have in my basement now, and I'm like, if only I had taken better care of these things, yep. I, yep. I'd be I'd be sitting on a fortune. You and me both, man. But I mean, we, you know, as kids, the last thing we think about is is trying to have a fortune. You know, we want to have fun, we want to play, and when it comes to those toys, I st- I definitely still wish I had them in boxes. Um, I wish I had some of the bigger playsets like the Millennium Falcon and things like that. But you know, you don't uh, you don't always get to keep stuff. If I did, I don't know if I'd be on your show right now. I'd probably be pretty well off. If I had a lot of those boxes, I, my, my life direction might have went a different way. So Chances are you'd be coming to me live and direct from the Pacific Ocean on a yacht somewhere. <laughs> maybe, maybe. But you mentioned Return of the Jedi. I'm, I'm assuming you went back and saw um, Episode 4? I have seen... Like, as every, you got older? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I've seen every single Star Wars movie uh, since then. I, I think with the exception... Nope, the the one whichever one's coming out next, obviously that's the only one I haven't seen. But yeah, I've seen pretty much all of them and watched four, five, six, one, two, three, seven, eight, and the little like the Han Solo movie and then the Rogue Rogue One saw that too. Rogue One and like so how do you like since George Lucas basically created the franchise and he's now sitting on a gold mine because he sold out to Disney for four and a half billion dollars and they basically right. told him the gold. He, they basically told him to go away, and he said, sure. Because, I mean, let's face it, if they did that to me, I'd do the same thing. Right, right. How do you feel about the Disneyfication or the fact that, like, George Lucas sold out to Disney? It's a, it's kind of a – I see his point of view, right? Because and, – and I will say this about in any fandom, but, like, especially this one, it can be real nasty. You know what I mean? And people can be just utter nasty to to George Lucas and to the folks that helped create it to the actors, actresses that were in the movies. So I, I don't blame him, but as a fan, anybody but Disney, because there's, there's, so it, when you read the books, there's stories I wanted played out on a movie screen that would have to almost have an R rating. And of course, Disney's not going to push that button. They're not going to put that out there. The Mandalorian looks cool. I'm, I'm very interested in that, but I really haven't been happy with the direction that the, uh, the the last two move the last two main movies went I didn't care for the last Jedi and I didn't care for I believe it was the one after that like it was to the point to where was it the um, Force I, Awakens after that I think I think it was either the Force Awakens was first and then the last Jedi the thing is I don't like either of those movies and and the reason I don't aside from the special effects which were really awesome is I felt like the Force Awakens was just a retelling of the first Star Wars. And it was just another emo type villain to me. Um, Kylo Ren was just like he had he had daddy issues, so it was kind of like, wow, you're doing the same kind of emo esque style that they did with uh, Episode Three with Anakin Skywalker having them those same kind of like I miss my mom type stuff. So he becomes this whiny brat, and they don't tap into like the villain that that doesn't care. That's like I'm gonna blow your planet up. Because I can. I don't have any kind of sympathy. I'm not going to whine and cry. I'm just going to get rid of you, and that's it. And I don't feel like they've encapsulated that enough for as big as the lore is outside of the movies. I feel like they've just, they, they keep they keep going back to the same woodshed to pull out the same shovel, and it's just getting duller and duller as they keep trying to dig in the gravel, so to speak. Do you think they're trying to serve 
well, Disney, I mean, do you think they're trying to serve too many masters with pumping out sequel after sequel after sequel after sequel in terms of, like, Star Wars? I think they're trying to keep a franchise alive that would be fine if they would let it grow organically. Like, the, the original movies, you know, Star Wars, The Empire Strikes Back, Return of the Jedi, were all a very organic feel because there was no movies out there that were like that. They had this feeling, like, when you saw the Death Star, you were just in awe. And it was like in a room where they had like the, the things hanging from strings type stuff. You were in awe. And I think with Disney doing these last movies, aside from Rogue One, which was phenomenal in my opinion, with the main ones, I feel like they are trying to serve so many different folks. They're trying to serve the fans, first of all, but then they're also trying to serve the casual folks who want to come in and see this movie. And they're trying to put like all their eggs in one basket instead of saying, okay, Let's tell a new story. Like, I wanted a completely new story separate from Luke Skywalker, Princess Leia, Han Solo. And I feel like they did that more of fan service. But I also think that it would have been better just to go to another side of the galaxy or another time period. Because that's not the only place things happen. And honestly, all movies are guilty of this when it comes to, like, later iterations of the movie. Because they tend to want to play it safe. Disney doesn't, even though Disney could straight up say, okay, we're going to start over, and it would still make millions and millions upon millions of dollars, I can't for the life of me understand why they wanted to play it safe and bring back all the old actors. I just don't get that. Isn't that the typical, like, Disney formula? Like, they've had so many remakes lately, like, right. or, I mean, I mean, live action remakes, that they're like, well, we could get... These kids that came up watching these like animated features like The Lion King or Dumbo or The Jungle Book, we could get their kids if they have kids and then because everything's CGI now. I mean, why not? Right. But I think that's like, the, isn't that like the typical Disney formula? Right. And, you know, I agree with you, especially with that new Aladdin. It was just, in my personal opinion, it was terrible. Like, my thing is don't fix what isn't broken. The classic is a classic for a reason. Move on. And and I, I don't blame just Disney. I blame the, the yeah, Hollywood everybody industry does as it. a whole. Yeah, everybody seeming just to want to remake all these movies. And, you know, I'll go out and read a, a new fiction book, like a new science fiction book or like any kind of a book. And I'm like, this would be a good story. Why does nobody tell this? The money's out there. It's not like they couldn't get it greenlit. You get the right acting. You know, like the Maze Runner. Perfect, perfect example of a good book series and a good movie. And it was like somebody brought that to the forefront. But then here comes Disney with the same stale characters, the same boring plot lines, just so they can get that check and appease like a large amount of people. Because there's people that loved The Force Awakens and The Last Jedi. I'm one person, right? And it's like they millions and millions, I think maybe a billion dollars was made on those movies. So, you know, I'm one person. Who are they going to come to for advice? Me or, you know, millions upon millions of, of other people who liked it. Exactly. So, I mean, with Star Wars, because I, I, I know from my own personal experience, the only, well, I guess the first Star Wars film to come, come out in my lifetime, because I'm 30, was episode one. Oh, yeah, yeah, Phantom Menace. Yeah. And to be quite honest, I don't know what it is. Um, I was talking to someone a little while ago, again, interviewing them on Star Wars, and they asked me whether or not I connected with a character. And I really couldn't give them an answer because 
there was nothing about those movies or those characters that really drew me in. So is there something in particular about the Star Wars franchise and its characters that kind of sucked you in and kind of basically made you the fan that you are? Yeah, um, there's actually, I, I got a couple. So like for the first movies, four, five, and six, uh, it was definitely Yoda because I was like, that Yoda dude is cool. He's, he's smart, he's wise, and Darth Vader just because the sheer power that Vader had. I mean, even as a kid, you know, seeing the, the red lightsaber and, and he's he, he's got it in control, but he still has to serve his master, which is Palpatine. So I thought that was a good, a good story, especially when Empire Strikes Back, when I watched that for the first time, because that's my favorite. If I had to pick of the original, the second one was my favorite because it was just like it. For me, when I got older, the villains... I could relate to more, not in terms of what they did, but in terms of their absolutes. Like, there was no gray area. When they wanted something, they went out and did it, which I thought was was amazing. So for the second movie, when Vader was like, you know, he went out and did, he got Han Solo, they trapped him in carbonite, and I was like, that's that's awesome. He's getting that plan done. And meanwhile, the rebels are just running around like chickens with their heads cut off, and their plan doesn't come together well until the third movie. So for me, it was always the villains that did it. Like, especially in The Phantom Menace, Darth Maul is an amazing villain. You know, the the actor that played him, his footwork, his martial arts skills, nothing short of amazing. So for me, it was always the villains and Yoda. Like, those two just, for some reason, resonated with me. I always thought that was, that's what drew me in. Was, except the new movies, which I don't really have a favorite because I don't really like them that much. But the old ones, it was always the villains because they just they were direct. You know, they didn't have to play around and and be chummy. They just needed to be done. Let me ask you about um, a character that doesn't get much screen time, but yet people people love this character. And maybe you can explain it more to me and to my audience because I can't seem to figure it out. What is the draw, in your opinion? What is the draw of Boba Fett? Ah, okay, okay. So he gets like <clears throat> 30 seconds of screen time, and that's about it. Right. Now, with Boba Fett, like, I think a lot of it plays into his backstory and his his rivalry with Han Solo because it goes a lot deeper than the movies. Once you get into the books, it really kind of just they, – they're at war with each other. And the cool thing about Boba Fett is he's neither for the – empire and he's neither for the rebels he's at the hands of the highest bidder because he's a mercenary and his whole history like the mandalorians were are a proud race of people they don't bend their knee to anybody they would rather die fighting than go out and and just be somebody's lackey and i think that's what's so great about boba fett and why people like him because he's his own man he doesn't bow to the force he doesn't bow to vader he doesn't bow to Luke Skywalker. They say, here, here's some money. We need you to get this done, and that's that. And he does it. He goes out and finishes his contract. And the reason why everybody likes Boba Fett, especially me, I like Boba Fett, is just because, one, he looks cool. He has a freaking missile on his back. He can just shoot out of his back. He's got a jet pack. And he's just, it's his whole demeanor. Like he, he, when he gets focused on one thing, it usually gets done. I mean, he ends up in the Sarlacc pit in in uh, Return of the Jedi, but then he ends up getting out of that. So it's you know it's it's 
I think it's just his character. It's the mystique of his character is what it is. That's what draws people in. I mean, that that's a fair point. So, I mean, for me, I'm not a big fan, as I've said several times in these interviews and even probably even today. I'm not huge on it. But I, I just want to gain an appreciation for Star Wars. I want to gain an appreciation for why it's so popular. And I think the one thing that draws me in, because I'm a musician and entertainer myself, mm-hmm. is John Williams' music, his scores oh, yes. for the franchise and the films. Like, I know he, he's done Home Alone, he's done Superman, but, you know, if anything's going to draw me into the franchise, personally, it's going to be John Williams and the musical score he puts out. It's absolutely fantastic. Like, it's amazing. I could you know, run on a treadmill in the gym to the main Star Wars theme if I wanted to. Then again, it right. might seem a little, it might seem a little weird, but right. who cares? I mean, what's your, th- what are your thoughts on uh, John Williams and the sort of the music that he put to the film? I mean, you can't, for me, you can't even put like the battles, the lightsaber battles Battles between Obi-Wan and Anakin, Vader and Luke. Uh, you know, you can't... The fights alone. You know what I mean? Like, especially between um, Qui-Gon Jinn and, and Darth Maul. Those fights have to have a score to accompany them to draw you in. And there is nothing better than John Williams scoring that. And you're like... Because you actually feel like your heart's racing. You're... Cause, Music is a vibration, and it vibrates with your body. So when you hear it, you get like this. You're amped up. You know, you're like, oh, this fight's going to be awesome. And it makes the fight so much better to me. Uh, and, and, you know, especially with, like, the, the sound effects and everything else, and just the whole sound as a whole, his score, you know, the sound effects of the lightsabers clashing against one another, the sound of the lightsaber actually coming out of the holster when they hit the button. And it's just like all these things are accompanying it. And so the sound, especially the score, like you said, is one of the most important pieces of Star Wars. I mean, think about it. When you when you hear that beginning, that dun, dun, and it's just the credits are starting, or not the credits, but the, but the intros rolling, it just got, it, it grabs you. Right then and there, you're already ready to go. It's this big cinematic masterpiece. It's a fantastic score. Already like, let's get this done. And it's great. It's great. You know, 10 out of 10 for that, for the uh, the, the cinematic score for those movies. Like, he did an excellent, excellent job. He sure, certainly did. Like, John Williams is a musical, musical genius. Now, I was talking to somebody, and I, I asked them this it, it may be a loaded question you tell me do you think yoda is the greatest teacher ah that's a good question um i don't really think there is a greatest teacher i think they all bring different ideas and concepts to the table that like one may that's why they have a council instead of just one jedi leader because everybody can you can learn from everybody around there now a lot of people will say it because it was luke's teacher but if yoda didn't want anakin 
in the count, you know, to become a Jedi. He felt like he was too old. He sent some things about him he didn't like. So if Anakin wasn't even involved in the Jedi in the in the Jedi group, he wouldn't even have been anything. And Luke Skywalker would have never been a prominent figure in the series. So I don't think that Yoda is the greatest teacher. I do think he's one of the greatest characters. But for me, they're all you know, Mace Windu, um, Yoda. Obi-Wan Kenobi, Qui-Gon Jinn, they're all good teachers in certain aspects, and they all kind of round each other out. You know what I mean? Like, that's why there has to be a council, because if there was just one leader, you'll get a Palpatine-style person. And you know, with Palpatine, he was just straight evil. There was no checks and balances with that guy. Once he took power, that was it. You can't question him. Now, ultimately, he gets thrown down a shaft and and dies and then ends up coming back, but that's a whole other topic. Um, but for me, there is no greatest. There's just a bunch of, there's just a council, and they all have to teach, but they all have different styles of teaching, much like old kung fu flicks. Fair. I mean, it's almost like watching David Carradine, but in space. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it sure is. I Well, I remember hearing something where the initial pitch to Star Wars was basically... George Lucas knocking down his director fee. I think he had knocked, basically said, I'll do the movie for $150,000 or something like that. And the, the pitch was basically an old-timey Western film set in space. And mm-hmm. now he knocked his director fee down to about 150 k yet the deal he negotiated, so whoever signed off on this at 20th Century Fox... I'm not even sure they should still have a job, but <laughs> he pretty much negotiated the deal where I'll do the movie for $150,000, and yet I get to keep all the merchandising rights. That's genius, in my opinion. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, the the merchandise rights alone, I mean, action figures, clothes. Uh, later on in years, they made cars. They made specific cars that were Star Wars themed. I think they made a, I, I want to say a, uh, a soul. I forget who, I think I think Kia makes those. I forget who it was, either Honda or Kia or somebody. Um, they made a Star Wars specific model. And if he, you know, he probably got paid off that, gets paid off the books, gets paid off the, the clothing, the toys, the games. You know, he had Lucas, uh, uh, Lucas Games was, was a big thing for a while. Lucasfilm games and that was a big thing you know and he got paid off that so you know he's he he's a smart man he said okay you can you know the director's fee that's cool let me get those merch rights which was smart because the director's fee is basically a one-time thing the merch that's that's just that's just 360 degree money you're getting it all the time that's that's a lifetime reoccurring check right right i mean and i I was talking to uh, someone, I think he was my first interview in this series where Mark Hamill's deal was something like 0.5 of a percentage in the entire franchise where he didn't get any money, but he got like a percentage of the entire franchise mm-hmm. and he's just, he's rolling in it now. Oh, yeah. Uh, between that and doing the Joker, I mean, he's got, because I, I believe he did the Joker for uh, Arkham Asylum. For yep. the Arkham Asylum game, and I believe Arkham City, and I think he's did the Joker for a couple other for some of the animated stuff. 
So not only is he getting Star Wars money, he's getting DC Comics money. So he's getting two of the some of the biggest fandoms on the planet. He, I, to me, I think that's the ultimate crossover where you're like, I can go from Star Wars to basically DC, and like everybody would love me. And it's true, right. everybody, everybody does, because I think he's, to me, I think, I mean, live action films aside, he would probably be my favorite Joker. Oh yeah, no debate. He you know, he encompasses that that gravelly kind of crazy with you know uh, Michael Keaton in the live action. He was more of a psychopath. Heath mm. Ledger's was more of a sociopath. I haven't seen either of uh, the Suicide Squad when I forget Jared Leto's, and I Jared have not Leto, seen, yeah. and I haven't seen uh, Joaquin Phoenix's Joker either. Though I hear it's good. Um, yeah. But to I me, see Mark it, Hamill, Mark Hamill, uh, follow or Heath Ledger followed by Mark Hamill. And then Jack Nicholson in terms of uh, Joker portrayals. Yeah, I think they're all really good. Like, I'm not even going to lie. I'm even a fan of Cesar Romero. I love oh, the, yeah. yeah. I, I love the, uh, the 60s Batman series with Adam West. Right. But just as, we, all... just as we... Go ahead. Sorry. No, I, I like the campiness of it, too. You know, like, they're, they're out there climbing up the window, and, and then they just jump in their Batmobile. Like, people don't know. Like, just Batman driving around town. During the middle of the day, like, hey, Batman, how's it going? I was like, yeah, it's, just, it's like 9 o'clock in the morning. Yeah, just stop for a coffee. Oh, and I have shark repellent spray. <laughs> but and you can uh, watch it with your kids. So Yeah. Oh, it's fantastic. I'll probably pick it up on Amazon one of these days. Nice. But um, last question as we wrap up here. Mm-hmm. If you could spend a day with anyone on the production of Star Wars, an actor or sort of like producer, director, or even like an, an actor, producer, director, anyone in production, John Williams maybe, who would it be and why? That's a good question. You know what? I, I'm just going to go ahead and say it would be with the man himself. I'd have to go with George Lucas because I, I want to get inside his head and ask him about certain characters, certain people that, he, that, that were picked for that movie, you know, why did you go with this character instead of that character? Why did you change, you know, they changed the name um, of Return of the Jedi. It was originally called Revenge of the Jedi, but they didn't think that it had the family appeal. They thought it had more of a menacing overtone, so they dropped Revenge for Return. Um, but he, I would want to sit there and pick his brain for at least, like, a good, I, I like you said, a whole day. I would need a whole day because I have questions that, he's the only person that could answer you know what i mean like i would want to know why did you why didn't you want to continue out and do some of the old republic stories or some of the future stuff because he said that the movies were basically just supposed to be about anakin and luke and that was it it wasn't it wasn't supposed to go beyond that but the 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 stories um you know like the, the 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 branching stories that could be told off of the movies off of you know, six movies was so vast, and then the video games, which I love. You know, it was just like all these things. So I would—that's why I would want to ask him, like, why didn't you see this going further? Just, just those kind of questions. I mean, that, that's perfect. And lastly, I mean, well, who wouldn't want to spend the day with George Lucas? Like, right. Think about it. He's the man. I mean, right. he created this this franchise, and yep. He is—he's basically responsible for generations upon generations of fans. Yes. So with the 
with the Rise of Skywalker coming out at the end of the year, are you going to go see it from the eyes of a fan or just for the sake of seeing it because it's the latest in the Star Wars franchise? Now, I won't go to the theater and see it just because of how disappointed I was at the last two. And and it it's kind of sad because I, I saw uh, the uh, uh, Revenge of the Sith in the theater. The other, the newer ones, I, I usually just um, watch on streaming services. So I'll do the same for this one. And I'm, I'm, I'm going into it both as a fan and as a person who enjoys science fiction as a whole. And I'm just hoping that they somehow fix whatever this mess is because there's there's some things questions i had that really didn't get answered with the last movie like you know uh snoke was like a emperor palpatine with kylo ren being like a darth vader and they end up killing snoke in the second one and i'm like well that like you who's the villain in the third one how does all that work so I, i just feel like it's a mess but i will go into it with an open mind you know i'm not gonna go into it you know upset because i think that's the problem with fandoms is that we tend to go into things with a bias if the previous works haven't been up to our standards so we just think oh this is going to be trash and we go into it with the mentality of it's going to be trash so we'll pick apart every single solitary thing in that movie and maybe we miss something that actually shines like a gem in the movie so for me i'm going to go into it as best i can without my biases um, ruining the movie, but hopefully I can overcome that because I, you know, I, I want to make sure that I go into it with a fair point of view. I don't want to go into it so super mad about it, you know, because I have the books, I have the old movies, I have the the um, video games to fall back on if this if I'm not a big fan of this one. But I want to go into this with higher hopes than I have had for the last two movies. So for me, I'm going to go into it. Probably, I would say, maybe 60% fan and 40% outsider looking in so that I have a clear point um, so I don't let too much biases cloud my judgment of what might be a good movie. I, well, for one, I don't, I don't know whether I'll see it myself, but I think you raised a good point where it's just like, you know what, because I was disappointed, I'm going to wait probably until early 2020 or whenever these come out on like digital media or streaming services. So, I mean, who knows what will happen. Maybe Disney will get it right with uh, The Rise of Skywalker. But, Robert, I want to thank you for coming on the Beats and Speaks podcast this week and sharing your fandom of Star Wars and educating me and educating my audience on why you're such a fan. It's been a real pleasure, sir. Thank you for coming on the show. Where can my audience find you if you're on social media? Uh, so you can head on over to Facebook and check us out at This Uncanny Earth official Facebook group. Also, This Uncanny Earth uh, or This Uncanny Media Network. I have a Facebook page for that. On Instagram, This Uncanny Media Network. On Twitter, at This Uncanny. Uh, I don't really check Twitter much. I don't really, I'm not so much of a super a big fan of Twitter. I just feel like it's people arguing all the time. Um, and you can find us at www.spreaker.com backslash this uncanny earth. 
Find out that you can find us there. You can find us pretty much every everywhere that there's podcasts. You can find us Podbean, Apple, all that. Uh, and with that being said, I want to thank you, Lee. It has been nothing short of an honor and a blessing to be on your show and to talk to folks about something that I really enjoy. I have appreciated having you on. I appreciate the fact that you took the time to reach out and want to do the show. It was fantastic. I loved having you on. Anytime you want to come back. My inbox is always on, my door is always open, and uh, my internet connection will always work. <laughs> and the same goes for you. If you uh, if you want to come on the show at some point in the future and talk about any kind of paranormal experiences you had, if you've ever seen a UFO, what kind of conspiracy theories you believe in, our show encompasses all of that. So the invite is there. Just let me know, and you could definitely come on the show as well. I will definitely I will definitely take you up on that. But Robert, thank you so much for coming on the show. I appreciate it, and uh, I'm sure we will catch you down the road, my friend. Yes, sir. Thank you very much. Well, there it is. There you have it. There you go. My interview with Robert Solomon of This Uncanny Earth, right here on the Beats and Speaks podcast within the Star Wars miniseries. Robert, if you're listening to this. Thank you for reaching out and wanting to come on the show. Thank you for coming on the show. It was a pleasure to have you on and talk to you about anything and everything Star Wars, from where your fandom started to who you'd like to spend a day with in terms of an actor or someone in production to what you think of the Disney takeover to how excited you are for The Rise of Skywalker that's coming out later this year. It's a real pleasure to have you on. Please do remember that if you ever want to do another episode, my inbox is always on and my door is always open and you are always welcome here. Of course, follow Robert Solomon and This Uncanny Earth. If you are a fan of the paranormal, then this is the show for you on your favorite podcast app and player of choice. Of course, I will link as many links as I can find in the description below so you can follow Robert, again, thank you all for tuning in. Please comment, like, share, and subscribe. You can find the Beats and Speaks podcast on my official website, leetdickey.com, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, and wherever podcasts are available. Please do comment and rate us five stars because that helps us climb in the rankings, which helps me produce more content for you guys because I love doing this show and that means I get to bring you more interviews. If you'd like to leave us a review, please do leave reviews on iTunes or your favorite podcast app and player of choice. You can also leave reviews on my official Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash Lee T. Dickey. And you can also leave reviews on the official Beats and Speaks podcast landing page, which is on my official website, leetdickey.com, by just going underneath your favorite episode of choice and leaving your comments there and remember that i will feature them right then and there on my official website leetdickey.com as well as read them out right here on the beats and speaks podcast if you'd like to be a guest on a future episode of the beats and speaks podcast please do email me at leetdickey at gmail.com and we can set something up and go from there so you and i can have a good old-fashioned conversation and you can find yourself and hear yourself on a future episode now you can also find us on YouTube under Lee Dickey TV. And remember that we're on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and wherever podcasts can be found. It was a real pleasure to bring you this one. Robert, again, if you'd like to be a guest, once again, if you'd like to come back, whenever you want to, just hit me up, just reach out, and we will set something up and go from there so you and I can go back and forth once again 
on the Beats and Speaks podcast. It was a real pleasure having you on. Please do comment, like, share, and subscribe to the Beats and Speaks podcast and to me, Lee Dickey. Of course, all those links will be in the description below. You can follow Robert and This Uncanny Earth on your favorite podcast app and player of choice. But that wraps up another episode of the Beats and Speaks podcast and another episode of the Star Wars miniseries. Again, Robert, thank you for reaching out and wanting to come on the show. It was a real pleasure to have you. But of course, ladies and gentlemen, I've been Lee Dickey, and this has been another episode of the Beats and Speaks podcast, and we will see you soon. Peace. LeeTDickey.com